I knew in my heart, I knew in my mind, in the whole night, like, this isn't a man. And then this thing walks across the road, takes a turn towards us, and then leaps over a guardrail. Went to look forward, and there was a big black thing, is all I can call it. Squatch DTV, exploring the Bigfoot mystery each week with your hosts, veteran researcher, author, and TV personality, the Squatch Detective, Steve Culls, and from the Bigfoot Research Project of Kentucky, Chris Bennett. Sit back and buckle up as we bring you guests from around North America discussing the Bigfoot phenomena, but not without a few laughs, too. Here are your hosts, Steve and Chris. And good evening, cyberspace. Welcome to Squatch TV for today's date, January 24th, 2021. I'm your host, your guide, the Squatch Detective, Steve Coles. Down there, the bald guy, <laughs> Mr. Chris Bennett. And Steve, Chris, pass it right down. Pass it right down. And right here, right down there, we have our guest tonight, Mr. Lyle Blackburn. Good to see him. And uh, folks, we got a great show for you tonight. And uh, Chris has paid me money not to put a Bernie meme up. So uh, I'm not going to put a Bernie meme up. <laughs> so, although there's been tons of them, including one that has me in it, which is kind of funny. Um, yeah, the, 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 believe it or not, Chris, somebody redid a meme with me sitting in the chair with well, the mittens on and Bernie standing next to me saying, excuse me, sir, I believe you're in my chair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys. So, These memes, man. Five million memes. Uh, well, if it keeps us smiling, then it's good good business. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, let's uh, do the roll call. We'll say hi to the folks. Of course, who do you think's first in chat today? Oh, let's see. Got to be B. It's, got, it's B. Hello, B. Good to see yep. you. Hi, B. Dave Winner. Hello. <laughs> Patrick Cassidy. Good Dave. to see you. John. John Swan. Hey, good hi, to John. see you, Mike. Mike, good to see you. Quick Witty's Mike. in town. Quick Witty. Walt's Welcome. in town. 
Hey, Walt. Is uh, little. I wonder if little Walt's there. Uh, Terry, hello, Terry. Little Walt's there somewhere. Of course, I'm, he's probably listening got, on his mom's phone. Probably. We got Kerry Carlson, all AKA Bigfoot Mountain. Hello to you. Glad to see you in chat. Kerry, Kerry, we got Bob Lemley, Rod Dupree. Everybody's Bob. floating in slowly but surely. Rod, yeah, welcome. Except Shirley. Shirley's staying home for the night, I believe. But so Shirley, you, Shirley, you must be kidding me. I, I'm no, not, I'm not I, kidding you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't get around and stop calling me Shirley. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, okay. Uh, Les, Leslie Nelson, the king, man. He was great. So what about, and you know, you just give him a little... See, Lyle, this crowd here, you just give them a little bit, and you're new to this, so if you want to see the comments, you just click on the comment tab over there, and then you can yeah. see. Yeah, I was checking it out here. Cool. It's really a fun It's really a fun, uh, um, a fun platform. It's probably one of the best I've seen. And Dude. hello to Sherry. Hi, Sherry. The boss is out there. i got to be careful. <laughs> so. Uh. So, anywho, uh, let's get let's uh, jump right into this. Besides, the only news event that really is popping up a lot in a lot of places today, um, or over the last few days, is the Oklahoma Bigfoot hunting license uh, thing going on. And uh, I think we'll get more into that next week because I'm working on a guest. So, that okay with you, Mister Bennett? Only thing I was wondering is that going to be a real thing. Or is it like a fake thing? We're going to talk know. about it next week. I, well, he the the congressman that's bringing it up even said that he hopes to increase tourism. Ah, okay. uh, <laughs> yes. Bigfoot <laughs> dollars, yeah. Big oh, Oklahoma dollars. has really rolled out the Bigfoot stuff. I mean, every time I go up there, and it's fairly frequent, and there's just more and more. You see the cutouts, stores, gas stations. I mean, it's it's you wouldn't think Oklahoma. You know, so much Bigfoot, but man, it's it's huge. So this doesn't surprise me that they've sort of backed that up with this so-called legislation or whatever. And Uncle Artie is in town. Hello, Uncle Artie. Welcome, Artie. Man. And let me just throw that to you. If you're new to the show, thank you for subscribing. If you haven't hit that notification bell, you know, throw us a thumbs up, hit the notification bell. Yeah, smash and, that bell. <laughs> and uh, welcome to all the newcomers. I know we've had yeah. like a bunch of newcomers and uh, new subscriptions over the last you know, just uh, 36, 48 hours. So welcome all. And Ammon Chris is in. Welcome, Ammon Chris. And of course, his greetings, Great. mortals. Mortals. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, I, I think while was, you, I don't think there's any introduction necessary here because, you know, our audience is up on, on all these documentaries and stuff. We got a really great audience. And if anybody doesn't understand, just, just throw a question out in chat and we'll get to it. Um. Uh, oh, there, there's one. Uh, Bob Lemley said. Uh, Bob Lemley said, "I thought they called them wood apes in Oklahoma." So I, I heard them called that before. Well, but because the so-called Area X, which the North American Wood Ape Conservancy Conservancy has kind of redefined their objective to search for wood apes as sort of a alternative term to Bigfoot. So yeah, that's kind of comes out of of that research in Oklahoma. So yeah, he's correct. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Something I didn't know. Trivia. Yep. Trivia. Um okay, so where were we? Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to clear that one up. So anyway, Lyle, um, you know, tell us uh 
you know, what inspired you to get into the Falk Monster and Boggy Creek? And, you know, can you give people the Reader's Digest version of the, the big events that made Charles Pierce go down there? Yeah. So, you know, when I was young, as far back as I can remember, I, I got a book and it had some stories about Bigfoot, Yeti, Loch Ness Monster and stuff. And I was really intrigued by those. And that kind of turned me on to cryptozoology subjects. And I remember seeing the Patterson-Gimlin film. I guess it was on TV, um, the old show In Search Of. And I was also lucky enough to go to the drive-in with my parents and see the movie The Legend of Boggy Creek. Mm. That movie came out in 72, but it ran for many years through the, the drive-in and theater circuit, circuit and later on TV in the 1970s. And that dramatized sightings of a Bigfoot-like creature in a little town called Falk, Arkansas, which is in the lower southwest uh, corner, very close to Texas. And I grew up near Fort Worth, Texas, so it was about three hours from where I lived. That movie, it just, it just registered with me in such a way that I was captivated by that really the rest of my life. I just I identified with the small town. I grew up hunting and camping with my father. And, you know, we often went through those kind of creepy small towns. And then just my love of Bigfoot subjects, it just really uh, was a cool thing. Now, the origin of the Falk Monster or Boggy Creek Monster story started in, it, it dates back many, many years, but essentially it's public fame started in May of 1971 in which a family that moved to Falk, Arkansas was renting a house, experienced some um, spooky things happening. Something was creeping around the house on subsequent evenings and eventually, uh, you know, a hairy hand came in the window and then they got glimpses of this huge upright thing covered with hair. Uh, they uh, shot at it. They chased it. You know, there was a lot of events going on that made the newspaper when one of these family members, Bobby Ford, uh, apparently tangled with the creature while they were out chasing it. And he ended up in the Texarkana Hospital. And that came to the attention, obviously, of some news guys who ran it in the newspaper. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. Uh, late, as the subsequent weeks went on, other people reported seeing this upright ape-like thing running across the road. Um, in many instances, it was seen near this small creek that runs around Falk called Boggy Creek. And that's obviously where the association came from. The newspaper dubbed it the Falk Monster. As these stories started coming out, some of the old timers who lived in that general area which is a very kind of a swampy hardwood habitat, part of the Red River Basin uh, and heavily wooded, very rugged and remote. The old timers that lived along the Sulphur River said, well, hey, this isn't the first time reports of this creature, you know, have surfaced. We've, we've had sightings that date back uh, last in the 60s. There was a lot of sightings and they dated back to the 40s. And I've since dated them back all the way to about 1908. Uh, but those stories started coming out and sort of filled out the story. And as these ran in the Texarkana Gazette newspaper, a would-be filmmaker named Charles B. Pierce saw that and thought, man, this would make a great documentary or movie or whatever. And he ended up borrowing some money, getting a camera and going down there and starting to shoot 
a documentary, which you first called Tracking the Falcon Monster. That eventually morphed into more of a docudrama film, sort of a horror film meets Bigfoot film, uh, which he filmed in 1971 and into 72. And eventually it saw a very independent local release under the title, The Legend of Boggy Creek. After the lines around the block to see this movie, it was picked up by Halco International and then distributed throughout uh, theaters in North America in 1973. And that's kind of how it, it just started. And from there, it just sort of became a seminal Bigfoot film. And many of the early researchers saw that film and, you know, guys like Lauren Coleman that you'd be familiar with were inspired by that. You know, you talk to old, old guys in Bigfoot and, you know, everybody knew it and saw it and it just become a institution, I guess, one of the famous cases. Yeah. yeah I, uh, the, the legend of Boggy Creek hooked me and I think I was five or six when I first saw it. So it was like, you and know, was something it. you said sprung something up to me, Lyle, too. That that film really made the rounds because I remember we had a drive in uh, here locally. It was called Twin City Drive In. And of course, it's long gone now. But I remember that when that movie first came out in the early 70s, it was showing there. And then maybe a year later, wham, it was on there. It was on again. <laughs> they just like, uh, I don't know, they keep re releasing it or what, but. Uh, it was at the same th driving theater twice that I know of. Yeah. yeah. It was so popular. Yeah. It just sort of made its rounds because, I, you know, I couldn't have seen it in 72. I was too young. I wouldn't remember. Uh, so, yeah, it must have played, you know, everywhere. You yeah. Know, I mean, I saw it on HBO. <laughs> When HBO is, <laughs> that's when we had the cord that went to the box with the old yeah. buttons. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I remember I watched it with my, my father. I was like five or six, but that was a bad move. <laughs> I was scared for like a week. The opening scene, there's a the little kid my age running through the thing, and you hear, Aww. Well, you know, I was, I was a little kid. I was monster age at that time. I, I loved monsters. And I wanted to go to the drive-in to see this, but, you know, my dad worked and my mom worked a job and, you know, they just weren't the kind of people that had a family night out at the drive-in. Okay. They were like uh, really down to earth, hardworking folks. And that's something we just didn't do. Uh, but about, you know, three or four years after it came out, it finally was released on television and I got to watch it on television. And of course I was still in the monster age. I loved it. That was a great movie. Yeah. It, it just, Man, it's, you know, one of my favorite films. I love, you can probably see behind me, I love horror movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if anybody, if any of our listeners uh, has got uh, the Amazon Prime uh, or, or anything like that, you can, well, you can go over to Amazon. Uh -oh, and type, plug. No, no, I'm, I'm telling you, type in Lyle's name, Lyle Blackburn. Oh. Type in, you're going to find his books. And there's, there's one in there about uh, the Boggy Creek Monster. Oh, God, you got to watch the, that documentary. The it's Boggy good. Case. Uh, Boggy Creek Casebook. Yes. Okay. And then, and then there is uh, The Beast of Boggy Creek. Yes. And Terror in the Skies, Sinister yep. Swamps, uh, The Bishopville Monster. Oh, I want to talk about that. Um, and, you know, like I told, uh, I confessed. Beyond yeah. Boggy I confessed it's been, it's been about over a year since I'd seen that, but I remember it well. It was very good. Yes. Yeah, so does a good job. He's a good presenter. He's also a good writer. Yeah, we did because I my 
book, my initial book, The Beast of Boggy Creek, where I went and, you know, investigated the whole backstory and history of the legend of Boggy Creek, as well as the modern sightings, that book is called The Beast of Boggy Creek and came out in 2012. And that's what kind of launched me into this and uh, subsequent TV appearances. And then I wrote a book called Beyond Boggy Creek that talks about Bigfoot in the Deep South. That came out in 2014. The Boggy Creek Casebook is new. It came out this year. And then I did a a movie with Small Town Monsters. Yep. Which is, Good uh, old Seth. Yep. Right. The Boggy Creek Monster, which is Seth the Freelove. documentary. Yep. Yeah. And so I was in that, narrated it, and it, the, our combination and teamwork worked so well that I went on to narrate four, how many, it's been four or five more of the Small Town Monsters films that I've narrated yeah. or you know, co-produced or some such capacity. So it's, it's been great. And a lot of that kind of, you know, springboarded off the, the beast of Boggy Creek book. Yes. Uh, yep. And uh, I will be seen on the, on the trail of Bigfoot part two. So and they've got a lot of stuff on, on uh, Amazon prime. If you watch Amazon, but if you, you know, if you type in Lyle's name or Seth Breedlove's name, you're going to come up with some good stuff. And Absolutely. some of the stuff they got over there is like, uh, uh, you know, some of the, the new Bigfoot stuff that's been released on Amazon, not by these guys, but, oh. And, <laughs> and I say this too, support your authors because the pandemic yes. has really hurt, like going to shows and being able to sell books. Yeah. So if you're, you, you know, as people, especially that, that have so many books, they, they want to make money on it. I, it's true. I want to make money on my book put it back in my research so it hurts it really hurts not being able to do these shows a lot of times so folks go over to amazon you know google uh, or just search for lyle blackburn he's got a lot of great stuff out there yep so um anyway where we're we now let's talk about uh there's some questions that popped up here i'll, I'll get to the, some of these questions while we're on a uh uh we'll say hello to uh um, wow, there's, there's this I thing like is moving Bob's so fast. Huh? I like I like Bob's comment. It said, "I've seen the Legend of Boggy Creek at the drive-in double feature: the oh, Legend, wow. Legend of Boggy Creek and Godzilla meets Mothra." <laughs> <laughs> that would have been an awesome double feature, dude. That would have been awesome. So one of the questions that came out, I believe it was Ham and Chris that asked, um, you know, what's your thoughts on the Patterson Gimlin Phil? My thoughts. Yeah, yeah, they're doing. We got a tough uh, audience here. <laughs> right off the bat, swinging. Uh, well, you know, I mean, ultimately, it's it's like a a lot of the evidence. There's there's no way I can completely say it. It is a Bigfoot, and I can't say it's not. You know, there's just not enough, um, you know, quality in that film, and not enough. Uh, that we can use to, to ultimately prove it. So, you know, it's like anything else. I think it's very probable. That's a, yeah. you know, an actual Bigfoot. And, you know, I've talked to Bob Gimlin at length. And so, you know, have some personal insight into it and not just having viewed the film. Uh, so I feel strongly that if, if it is any kind of a hoax, Bob would have had to been a victim of, the hoax himself because he's he just you know his story has remained solid 
as far as that goes. So I feel certainly personally that that leans toward it being a true Bigfoot, just standing back being objective. Again, you can see pros and cons that everybody points out in the film and all of that. So I try to remain very balanced and don't put my emotions into it and just say, it's very highly possible that is, but ultimately, you know, I can't say I uh, can prove that at all. That's the thing, Lyle. I mean, a lot of people got to understand, unless you were there, (laughs) you you can have an opinion. Well, this, and I've got opinions on this, this part looks good about it. This part doesn't look so good, you know? So, but you know, in the end, no, unless you were there, you don't really know. Uh, But yeah. uh, And just so you know, Walt, our, Good friend Walt came in with a comment. So Lyle did an awesome job when he narrated the Boggy Creek Monster and that musical mm. score set the tone for the movie. Thank um, you. And uh, of course, we want to say hi to Earl. Hello, Earl. Welcome. Welcome, so, Earl. Mississippi. All right. Love Mississippi. And we got Cheryl in here. Good Welcome, to see Cheryl. You, Cheryl and Terry. Let's say hi to the folks. Terry? And Peter Parker's in the, in the, in the house, too, I think. All right, so we got a couple of Parkers. We got David Parker and Peter Parker, and I think David had a question. And uh, I'm trying to. Oh, yes, he did. What is the actual size of the Falk monster? Uh, the reports vary. I mean, upon on average, I would say seven foot is is the description. But I mean, I had a lady that saw um, what I would believe is a juvenile creature uh, at 10 30 a.m. in the morning in clear daylight and she said it was about five feet tall obviously if these are real creatures and there is there would you know presumably be a population they would be of various heights depending on the individual so uh up you know that i would say though you know i don't get reports <laughs> of them being <laughs> that's right Sorry, Ron. Hi, Ron. Uh, you know, you don't get reports of people eight or nine feet like you do get in some other Bigfoot sightings. So I would say yeah. seven foot max, but, you know, in the zone of six to seven feet tall. Hi, Ron. Yes. And Ron, <laughs> Ron and I will be doing an expedition in Kentucky in April. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And, uh, of course, Diane, Diane came popping in, too. Welcome, Diane. You usually know that usually... Her husband pops in, and then this other character by the name of Charlie comes in. So, well, you know, Lyle, there was something else too that was really kind of weird about the prints they found in the bean field. Um, mm-hmm. I can't think of the guy's farm, but anyway, uh, there were three toed. And does that seem to be uh, predominant, uh, or is that just like a one off thing? Uh, the three toed uh, tracks. The, the tracks that were allegedly seen and found there in the summer of 1971 mm-hmm. were three toed that, that when I talk about the Ford incident where they, where they moved in and they were at the house and uh, the, the uh, law constable that investigated that mentioned that he saw some prints up near the house that appeared to have three toes. And that was just a mention. There was no picture of it. Then that was in May. And then in June, uh, they discovered a long line of tracks through a freshly plowed bean field Mm -hmm. near Boggy Creek on some land owned by this guy named Willie Smith. Ah, Yeah. um, Those were, you know, there was track after track and you could see very well that they were three toed tracks. They were sort of long, 
human sort of a track, like kind of a Bigfoot mm-hmm. track, but it was mm-hmm. very narrow and had only three toes with what appeared to be sort of a, maybe a, a, a fourth toe uh, that wasn't registering as well, but the th- three main toes. Mm-hmm. Uh, following that, there was uh, reports of tracks being found with four toes. And then in recent times, there's been several tracks found that have five toes. So, I mean, it's again like any other Bigfoot puzzle where you've got, <laughs> you know, it's hard enough to say if they were all consistent, do we say yeah. that's tracks of the creature? But now when you have different toes, and I know people say, well, inbreeding and there's, you know, it could have lost it to, a, to an alligator or whatever. But these toes through the bean field were fairly, you know, they didn't look like a deformed foot and they were fairly... Right you know, define. So to me, that was either tracks of the creature and it has three toes or it was some sort of a hoax and mm-hmm. you know, theories and rumors. And, you know, I've yeah. spent years up there. I've been to the bean field and know all those folks and have interviewed some who were literally there and cast tracks and then people who naysay it. So you just always have two sides well, of the coin. That's the thing. The three-toed tracks, man, that really fueled a lot of speculation and a lot of talk. And uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it could be a million different things that could cause that. It could be the thing lost two toes somehow <laughs> on each foot, or it could be the inbreeding thing, you know. Yeah. But uh, you talk about some – I remember some uh, – uh, let's see. It was some – on the Bigfoot forums, they had a lot of interest in talk about that. So – we're going to be, we're going to get to your question towards the end uh, just because I think it, it is a little bit off off topic where we're going today, but we will get to that um, quick, but he has a question, but I also, I want to go to OT since we're talking about this. He says, were there claws present? I'm kind of stumped as what animal has three toes for, I could think of a dog, but if we have, they have an art, if we have an arch, then stump, but I'll, I'll say this. I know from experience that a Sasquatch print generally does not have an arch because they have the uh, mid-tarsus break. Let's see if I can show you that photo, right? So I have my, one of my books here. No, it, it didn't have claws. It definitely didn't have claws. So that, uh, and they did make casts of it, and the casts are rather rough. The best, and I don't know if you can even tell from this, but. Hang on, we, we can do a little maneuvering here. Oh, hang on. All right, there we go. Uh, do I have it in the pictures? Oops. Yeah, you do. I'm trying to uh, get it so that we can actually. Steve's going to make the, the photo big here in a minute, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. That's about as big as I put up there. Okay. Okay. So yeah. You want to see it there. That's, that's oh, yeah. the best is a photo from the Texarkana Gazette newspaper. So that is the most clear to me. And, you know, I've seen the cast of it, but you can see how long and narrow it is, which. Right. For some animal that stands seven foot tall in stature, it's hard to say, hard to think that it would have such a narrow foot. Um, But, you know, the whole three toe thing is really propagated through the whole Southern Bigfoot lore because I get that question all the time. So do they have three toes down there? Well, there's been far more five toed prints found. It's just that the legend of Boggy Creek was so much more famous and it was featured, you know, a whole scene in the movie that that three-toed thing sticks. But I think it's almost the exception in a footprint rather than the norm. 
<laughs> and and quick witty, and I, I think he he's you know kind of buffing us here, Chris. He says, "What what is Lyle think is the best evidence besides the Yowie photo?" <laughs> that Australian Yowie that visited Falk. I'm not sure. <laughs> oh man! As I mean, you know, it's it's a mixture of everything. I mean, there there are several pretty good track castings out of there, but you know those who's to say what made them, you know, so that's about the best evidence you got. There's really no, I've seen photos of the Falk monster. People have shown me alleged photos, but I didn't think they were legit. And then I've heard the, the old rumors and I'm sure Steve and Chris, you've heard this stuff where, man, okay. I saw the picture. It came from a guy's game camera and I'm trying to get the guys to blah, blah. You know, it's like third generation. Always, but I've never <laughs> seen a good photo that I believe is the Falcon Monster. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, I think everybody hears that everywhere. I've heard that in New York too. Well, I got a, fr I got a friend who works up on the border that has a game camera picture that's really incredible. Yeah. <sighs> so you know, and, you know, get it to me and then crickets. You know? yeah. <laughs> let me see it and don't conjecture. Just let me see it and then we'll go from there. Yep. And yeah, you never hear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, Bob's got a good question there or observation. Said I noticed most three toes are by water. Makes me wonder if maybe they're webbed. Yeah. I, I didn't see any evidence of that in the tracks. Yeah, there's um, no webbing. The only the the closest to a three-toed web kind of kind of a print is the rather dubious Honey Island Swamp Monster yeah. track from you know Louisiana. But definitely in the three-toed tracks. And I I have seen a track in Falk. The best one I had found was in a puddle of water. It actually appeared to have three toes and definitely did not have any kind of webbing and anything like that. But, but you're right. A lot of these three toed tracks kind of correspond to Southern places where there's swamps and bottomlands and certainly a lot of water. He always follows the creeks as they say in the movie. So yeah, I, I have a really interesting tale about the Honey Island Swamp Monster. So I spent I spent some time down there. I spent probably about three weeks down there. And we had gotten to know this one particular guy who'd been there for, you know, all his life. And he had his own little island, as many people do in the swamp. They have their own little island and his little compound on the island. And one day he said, listen, I'm, I'm going to sit down and tell you what the true deal is with the Honey Island Swamp Monster. He says... Up north, where people were seeing these Bigfoot-type creatures, uh, they were also running stills, and there was some other stuff going on there, too. So what happened was, is those tracks were created down the south end of the swamp to bring the hunters that way instead of where the sightings really were occurring. Huh. Kind of made sense to me. Yeah. But yeah, well, they, that's that same kind of... You hear those same exact kind of rumors yeah. in Falk and other places yeah. where there's it, the moonshiners had created the monster to either divert attention from the stills or to scare people away, which yeah. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like hard, yeah, yeah. these old timers are convincing. It's hard to say, but it's to me, it almost doesn't make sense. Like, why would they even think to make a monster? It's like, that's the last thing. Yeah. In, in fact, they were just shooting the feds. I mean, you know, not going to the trouble of making a, a monster, but but it it's like the circus train 
rumors and other things where you see these cases have these sort of same theories that revolve around them. Uh, very similar. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, that may be, that may not, not be. So <clears throat> I, somebody asked about, um, what do you think shows like Finding Bigfoot and Mountain Monsters? What kind of impact have they had on people and their and their uh, view of you know Sasquatch or you know or our research? Well, I, I think it's you know it's a double sided sword. I mean, you know, people put those shows down, and as they certainly don't represent real Bigfoot research. I mean, it's a, it's a representation, but not actual, but that's not what TV's about. They need some kind of entertainment. I think um, the good thing about it is, and I've, I've noticed that since finding Bigfoot came out and I've been on the show twice, I know the guys, know the crew. um, Since it came out, people are a lot more forthcoming in sharing their sightings because that was so huge and people realize that it's not just crazy so-called crazy people who see Bigfoot and other strange stuff. And so I've, you know, and, and as the years have gone on, it's much easier to get people to talk about it than it was before that. Yep. You know, more than a decade or 15 years ago, people were very reluctant a lot of times to talk. So I think that has helped, um, you know, get, get some reports that we would have never had before. And certainly things like mountain monsters, a bit of a problem because it's completely, it's fictional. It's fake. Um, it's a fun show, but it, on the other hand, I've seen kids get interested in cryptozoology because of it. You know, I've been at the Mothman festival or whatever, and those guys are out there and kids are like, Oh man, it's so cool. So, you know, they got to get into it some way. So I think those shows are good for that, but we just have to watch out not to believe everything. Those shows shouldn't be a substitute for solid, for books and scholarly research and watching and listening to your show. You know, those are where you're going to get the real data. You know, those guys are so cool with kids. They go out of their way to take care of kids. Yeah. Um, and, and just to give an example, I know a lot of people come down on them because, well, it's a it's a sat it's a satirical show. But I they did a charity auction at the PA Bigfoot conference, uh, a camping adventure a couple of years ago, and Wild Bill was bidding against this kid who really wanted this rucksack, and Wild Bill won it. He, you know, he went up a lot of money on it, and then he got the backpack. He turned around and he gave it to the kid. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, here you go. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the type of, you know, guys they are. They really care about kids and uh, they're good hearted. So, yeah. Um, so Godzilla 2000, who also uh, said, thank you. It's been a while since he fought Mothra. <laughs> um, <laughs> said, Could the three toed track be deformed or the foot is deformed? It's certainly possible, but uh, um, it didn't, it didn't, there was, it really didn't look like a deformed foot. It was very uniform and, you know, uh, regular rather than something that looked like it was ill-formed. Like, like the Bosberg print. Yeah. Like the Bosberg, yeah. So, you know, I mean, it's hard to say either way. I mean, I, you know, I've talked to a lot of a lot of folks down there. A lot of them lean towards the dubious reputation of Willie Smith himself and, uh, 
I'm, I'm personally not convinced that that three, that one particular track was even legit. I know the incidents and the sightings and some of the other tracks are totally legit. That's the one incident that I find hardest to, you know, sign off as legit evidence. And well, it's fortunately one of the most famous. Well, they don't have uh do they have, I'm mean, going to start this another way. Uh, do they have alligators in the Falk, Arkansas area? Because I'm not sure. Yes. Yeah, they they're all over the Sulphur River and in the Mercer Bayou down there's lots of them. Well, hmm. <laughs> but I mean, I've come up on alligators. I've seen their prints right. on the edge of the water. They just, they just don't look anything like that three-toed track or yeah anything. yeah 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 the one the one you the one you showed the picture of wow. i mean it even yeah, uh literally of course, i couldn't see really good i've seen it before but i think it would be evidence uh, there's evidence of some sort of break in the middle too of the foot but i'm not certain so but it looks like there's a mound there and that could be from push off too now but uh, david david parker uh said earlier that it kind of looks like a, like an overstep to him but Ron Bowles uh, put something out, and truthfully, when I was in Honey Island Swamp, I saw tracks very similar and what Ron is describing, and that's a blue heron track. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it can give that appearance of looking like a three-toed, you know, print. And um, so I don't know. I, I guess you would have to look to see. I mean, do they walk? I mean, you have to look at kind of their stride. I think the stride would give it away if there was a series of tracks, because you would expect something that's seven foot tall is going to have that you know, 40 inch to 48 inch stride, that big step. If you're getting these little three toe prints and there's one and, you know, two feet later, there's another one and two feet later, there's another one. Then you're probably looking at something that's, um, that, that's not a Bigfoot. Um, so, uh, somebody asked, uh, somebody asked as well as what do you think of the turtle man Bigfoot show? I haven't seen it. So I can't tell you. <laughs> Oh no! Sorry, we yeah. Turtle right. man, you know. Um, I don't I mean, even have TV. I've been on television shows. I've never actually even seen the, the show. <laughs> so, Ouch! Um, <laughs> well, you're, well, you're doing a great job. Yeah, well, okay, well, thank you. <laughs> People say, "Yeah, I saw you on some show." I'm like, cool, I don't have cable or anything, so unless somebody shows it to me, oh, yeah. show. I, I was on Buried Worlds. I was on Strange Evidence. I've never seen the shows. I remember when I was in grade school, Lyle, our teachers gave us a test and said, okay, I want you to complete this jingle. And then, you know, she would say some stuff that was like on a commercial. I'd like to sing the world a song. And they were in perfect harmony. Okay. Everybody got them all. Like you know? and, at the end, and at the end, she said, okay, you guys, you watch too much TV. <laughs> Everybody got them. <laughs> Oh my goodness! We were I was talking with my, my girlfriend about that, you know, just uh, a few days ago about the jingles and old commercials yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. Um, so uh, uh, there's another question too somewhere in here. Anyway, I'll, I'll get to it. <laughs> I'll get to it eventually. It'll it'll pop in my head. Drink ski. Oh god, we're not sponsored by them, but like to be. <laughs> oh, kind of like, kind of like Snapple, Diet Peach yeah. Snapple, Chris. Um, okay, yeah. But uh, all right, yeah, there there was some comments on Expedition Bigfoot. We'll pass on that for tonight. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, so, and, and by the way, this is not Siskel and Ebert. 
We don't. No. No. Yeah, we're gonna sit there. Well, you know, hey man, because you know I'm fat and uh, it's been cold, and you know I've been sitting inside watching TV. I watch a lot of stuff on so, online, and, and uh, you, some of the uh, you're Ebert and I'm Zisco. Is that what you're trying? To <laughs> no, 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 no. I'll just say that stuff like Mountain Monsters. Oh, it's a great entertainment, but there's a difference between entertainment and education. And Lyle does education and, and documentaries, and it's good. Would a crane print be smaller than a Bigfoot print? Depends on the size of the crane. I've seen some of the, they have a pretty wide, you know, uh, spread on them. Now, while we're on the, the, the subject of three-toed tracks and, and stuff like that, I really want to talk to you about Bishopville. Yeah. Because um, I was down there, too. I was down there when the uh, Rossons had their, their truck eaten up. All right. Yeah. I still have a piece of their van somewhere in my collection over here. It's like I have to take a piece of it home. But it was very clear to me when the Rossons. Uh, <laughs> that was the New York coming out and Steve. He stole a piece of their car, took it home with him. <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding, man. I know. And, I know. and the wallet on the dashboard. But <laughs> so. When I looked at it, it was very clear that, you know, there was a couple of things. People were accusing the Rossons of making it up that, you know, they did this. And when I looked at the bumper where the bites were, it was very clear to me that there were there were actually bites because there was not only a uh, maxilla bite, but there was a mandible bite on, on the underside of it. They were all round. And that told me automatically it's canine. It's nothing primate. It's nothing. It's not not even anything reptilian because they're round. And as it turned out, uh, they well, let me step back. I was trying to figure out why would it attack the car. I said, let's pop the hood because the Rossons didn't have a cat, you know, a little cat play thing. They had a cat hotel there and they had about 15, 16 cats. <laughs> so I popped the hood and I look in, in the uh, in one of the, the header screws. You could see cat hair. It was cat hair. So, okay, there must have been a cat that got scared by a dog and it ran up in there and the dog went ape on, on the, the car yeah. and they had blood on the car from where the dog dog was biting it and cut its gums and you know the the current sheriff i forget his name but he tested it and had it tested and it turned out to be canine blood so to me that whole rossum thing that's kind of been debunked but not if you talk to him because i think they're they're so bought into that that lizard man thing with the festival now and everything like that but i'll let i'll let lyle uh continue his uh dissertation on what he found in Bishopville. So yeah, following my release of the Beast of Boggy Creek book, I decided to just kind of go out and look at some cases I had, you know, was intrigued by in the past. And one of those was the Lizard Man case of Bishopville, South Carolina. Did you know dehydration I have no idea. And so so I, I went out there and spent some time with the retired sheriff, Liston Truesdale, who had been the sheriff during the heyday of the Lizard Man reports, which was in the summer of 1988. You know, scanned all of the newspaper articles, all of the police files, the, the witness affidavit reports, the whole deal. And I really wasn't intent on writing a book. But when I was out there, all of a sudden the newspaper came down there and interviewed me and you know, cryptozoologists here to whatever. And then I saw they released a, 
paper late, later that said writer plans to write book on the Bishopville lizard man. So I thought, <laughs> I guess I'm writing a book on it. <laughs> so anyway, I, you know, some of the witnesses were passed and I couldn't, some of them you couldn't find some of them had been killed. I interviewed what witnesses there were. I looked at the rather hokey three toed tracks that they had to present. Um, and looked at the evidence in those cars. There was three occasions where people reported cars being mauled by animals. And that's actually really what started the whole case because initially in June of 1988, the sheriff's office got a call from some people that live near Skateboard Swamp, said their car was torn up by an animal. So in the process of investigating that, and they were puzzled. They're like, this is weird. Some people, some individuals said that, well, maybe it was the lizard man. And so Sheriff Truesdale said, what do you mean lizard man? They said, well, people have been seeing this sort of big brownish or greenish creature thing that walks upright down in Scape or Swamp. And so that's what alerted him initially to this. In my opinion, as I sort of delved through the witness testimony and these cars and all that was that it was purely coincidental. Just like Steve described in that later car mauling case where something was up in the engine and a animal, most likely uh, a canine, even a domestic canine gone wild, the pit bulls or something, you know, were trying to get at the Exactly. Cats or whatever in the car. And so those things just sort of meshed with sightings of the lizard man. And then people say, well, the lizard man attacked these cars. But truly, they could, in the Rawson's case, they could actually take the saliva and analyze it. In the early right. ones, they didn't. They just, right. but they look the same. They're all, they're all attacked. And it's surely something that uh, animals would do. They found even footprints on the cars that looked like canids or fox and this sort of thing. So I think you kind of have to separate those car incidents with the actual sightings of the lizard man, which are kind of another thing altogether yeah. in which, you know, I mean, it's even harder to explain away sightings of a upright anthropomorphic reptilian okay. thing than it is Bigfoot. Yeah, so yeah. in some, some, you know, in my book, I even talk about this as a possible theory that it could have simply been a Bigfoot that those people saw if it was wet, if it had a, you know, a skin condition, missing hair, covering in algae. Well, I mean, so, you see so. something like that in the dark and the moonlight at night coming after you, you just, you know, you're not thinking Bigfoot. You're thinking, what the hell is it? It's a monster. It's so a when lizard. I, when when I, I met, met Shad, 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 Shad. And, and hold on, hold on, 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 on. why are we getting an echo? <laughs> uh oh, okay, it's gone away. Um, <laughs> that was weird. When uh, I met List, uh, Liston Truesdale, he was showing us articles, and one of the articles actually said, described it like a Sasquatch, it was covered, it was brownish, covered in hair. And how I think the lizard man got picked up was the the description the one witness said was he could see the palm of the hand as it walked away. And he said it, it looked, you know, almost lizard like, you know, describing the palm of the hand. And I think that's where the lizard man caught. 
but I agree. I, I hmm. saw those same I saw those same tracks that uh, you know Sheriff Truesdale pulled out of his basement or his garage there to show us, and all the toast plays were the same. Yeah, and you can see dowel marks. <laughs> you know where. So it was pretty, pretty bad. And they were all convinced that, you know, hey, we, you know, this is going on. But yeah, I think it's, it's kind of like the Fountain Monster case, exactly, where I, I know for sure in the Lizard Man case, without giving spoilers, is those, those tracks were hoaxed mm. and don't have, you know, are, are discrediting what some of the honest witnesses had described and were, had a great conviction that they saw something. Somebody went down there, and, and certainly this happens where kids or whomever wants to add to the, you know, get their name in the paper or get some incident or add to the thing, and they'll go and hoax something. So I think that was just somebody did that trying to fool the sheriff, and then we're trying to build it, yeah, or build it or whatever they did, um, and not necessarily connected with the actual sightings. So the lizard man case has a lot of red herrings in it, I think. And, um, certainly a weird and strange story, but some of that is easily ruled out. Those, those tracks, especially. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, I'm with you, Lyle, man. I believe that the, they may have had some sightings there, but the, the car stuff being torn up was probably just yeah. adding up two and two and ended up with 378. <laughs> but now, now the community itself, they, they used to have a cotton festival, but they felt it, it, this is going. This is like 50, going on. When was I out there? Cotton festival. They had yeah, a cotton festival. A while back, yeah. yeah. And then, well, we can't have a cotton festival because that that may be racist. So they decided to have a lizard man festival. So every year they have a lizard man festival. Well, they sort of do, but the lizard man festival, the town doesn't want it at all. The okay. the board of directors, in fact, hates it. They hate the whole lizard man thing. It was somebody else who came in and said, you should have a Lizard Man Festival. I'll put it on. And the first one they had, they had me out there. Um, but it was fairly rinky-dink. And then the town just, at the last minute, the town, they said you could use whatever facility that they had offered. And then, like, literally the day before, said, no, you can't use it. And just, so all the Lizard Man Festivals that have happened have been from outsiders who tried to get it going while the town just continually... Like, dude, right. search Bishopville. You're gonna get a lizard man. You know, lizard man comes up. You might as well just embrace it. But <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, by by the way, the uh, the whole YouTube neighborhood just went. I don't know, went rocky because uh, Mick is in the house now, and uh, <laughs> Mick apologizes for being late and said that Welcome, Mick. he had an accident with an oversized meatloaf. Oh dear. Ah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I thought that was a a, a very big uh, curiosity was the whole bit. But when to me the bones of it is is that they're seeing a hairy creature, not a lizard, you know. And, and you would think that it it just made no sense to me. Well, you know why? Uh, sometimes you would these people would be seeing these lizards, you know, a lizard man. Like that's really a weird mix. That just <coughs> makes no sense. How how would that even come about? Yeah. yeah, and some of those, uh, and you probably may have read the one that I, you were talking about where the, they described it as a Sasquatch, but there was, I mean, literally in, in the witness's handwriting, and, and True, Sheriff Truesdale was a great guy because he neither, he was kind of neutral. He was like, 
neither believed there was a lizard man, but he didn't disbelieve it. He just right. followed police procedures. And he there was an incident in which a family of five saw this thing jump up and right near their car as they drove by Skateboard Swamp. Well, he took all those, all of them and made them write down what they saw independently. And you can read that. So it's not like interviewing a witness, you know, 30 right. years later. It's like literally right getting within a day. And they say it looks it looked kind of like it had brown hair. It looked like a Sasquatch right there in the in the witness statement. So it kind of gets lumped in as Lizard Man because that's what the media kept running and oftentimes drew it as a sort of Godzilla looking thing. That's not even what people describe. So yeah, you're right. It's it's yeah. to me it's like a weird Bigfoot case. You know, one of the weird things uh, that I have in my experience is there's a little town on the very southern end of the county. It's actually uh, very urban for the most part, but they, as you get a little further north, it becomes a little more rural, especially back in the 80s now. And the interest I find interesting is that, that they had a woman on one of the streets say reported that she saw a, a Bigfoot. And you could see the officers that took the report were kind of making fun of it. You know, and they, they said, oh, yeah, big, yeah, there's no Bigfoot upon arrival. He must have went back to his cave. Now, this did not get publicized until two days later when three or four young children, I forget, I think it was at least three young children, like 12, age 12, 10. I think the other one was 11 or so, maybe even 12 as well. They reported seeing a Sasquatch along the more rural area of this town. And to me, it's like, you know, okay, so that sounds kind of far-fetched that this woman's seen it down this way, but, you know, she reported it first. I have the police reports. How how did the kids know? You know, and, and then they report, and then you think about it, kids wouldn't necessarily call the police department unless they really saw something. So, you know, it's just like one of those enigmas that, you know, we'll never truly know. But it's very interesting that you have two reports within a couple of days of one another in the same general area. And uh, the, the second one was actually more seriously researched. The sergeant drove up there, took the kids out in the field. They looked around. And I think they found a dead muskrat. And that, that, was, that was the end of the report. So, so it, you know, it's like curiosities like that. Or, you know, when you see those coincidences, that's too much coincidence to be coincidence. <laughs> it's something yeah, I love those when I, you know, if I'm researching something, you find something like that where you're like, well, look, how did, you know, this just is too weird of a coincidence. Something was going on, you know, those are the best. And the funny thing is the, the, the woman probably could have been a crackpot. They may have known her and said, oh, she's a little, she's a little, and she's seeing Bigfoot now. But then all of a sudden these kids see it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yep. So, uh-oh. Uh, Mr. Wonton is in the house. <laughs> Welcome, Charlie. <laughs> Jerry Springer. <laughs> and we got all of the monsters on here today. We do. We do. Now, We're covering them all. You've had some experience with the Mothman, yes? Yeah. Yeah, I've been up there uh, several times to Point Pleasant, been out to the TNT area, um, worked on the two documentaries with Small Town Monsters about the history of that. So, um, yeah, certainly. Seth, Seth tells a great story of having the bejesus scared out of him up while doing the Mothman. I forget the exact gist of it, but something 
scared to hell out of him. It turned out it was a Japanese crew that was with him. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember that when that came around. That they had asked me to do that and I couldn't, and he, he was able to do it. And yeah, he said it was and uh, quite an experience. And yeah, I'm sure it was. Yeah, you know, I I did drive through the TNT area once in my life, so I'm I'm happy to say that I I made it there. Um, it's a spooky place. I mean, I went out there and not, did some night hiking once, and I, you know, you can just see why people, I don't know, see weird things and, and strange stuff goes on. It's just got an air of spookiness. I don't know what it is, or maybe it, you know, I preconceived to think that because of the stories, but it's, it's certainly something it's like the boggy Creek area. Just something weird about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, Those was, bunkers are open, aren't they? Uh, in that area. Yeah. You so can go in. And that's a whole, shelter. Yeah, I mean that's just a whole weird thing unto itself. When you go into those underground bunkers, um, they're they're creepy. So there's there you can just walk right in most of them. You know, one one of the more interesting things is actually I I was in the museum and uh, I think a guy named Jeff runs it, but I he wasn't there that day. And his friend, one of the other people running it, I end up chatting with, up with him, and you know it's this weird conspiracy stuff like the Men in Black and stuff like that also intertwines with that. And this guy said, "Yeah, I actually a few years ago had a guy I I would describe as a Man in Black come in here and ask a bunch of questions and then leave." I'm going, you know, well, what? <laughs> you know, it, it's just you you hear stories. I mean, how do you how do you weight them? Sometimes I think. I think that's one reason it's so popular because it, it kind of interweaves the men in black, the conspiracy, the UFO and cryptid all into one case. So it, it's just highly appealing to a wide range of audience. I, think. Yeah. I mean, even time travel, well, it showed up because it was trying to warn the population about the collapse of the bridge, stuff like that. So, and then, then all of a sudden you have Mothman being seen, I think, in Chicago previous to some tragedy. And then there was one in, I think, Poland that was seen before some tragedy. It's just like this really weird guy. Um, I wish John Keel was alive because we could pick his brain a little bit better. <laughs> um, uh, just just really. Uh, and I know the, the for those who are, who are wondering, the Mothman prophecy, the movie, I think, was heavily, heavily, heavily dramatized. So... You know, you got to take that with a grain of salt, what you see on that. But it's based loosely around what actually people were saying. Yeah, it's a good movie, but it was definitely just kind of using the Mothman as a backdrop or an inspiration to to, to, to make a good movie. Um, but, you know, if you, you can watch our Mothman of Point Pleasant documentary on Amazon Prime, and it's it will give you the facts and the witnesses and what really went down in that initial case yeah. in the 1960s. So we have a question from Mick. While you still host a radio show, if so, can we stream it over the internet? I'm in Canada, a bit out of range for radio signal. I have never hosted a radio show, so I guess I don't host one anymore. <laughs> Mick, wh where the hell you came up with that question? <laughs> I mean, I, I could, but I just never have found the time. People ask yeah. if I'm going to do a podcast radio show, and it's like, man, I'm... <laughs> so much going on. There's only so much. It's, time it's tough to do one, you know, and you know it, to to do it consistently. We've taken our breaks over the years because there's just so much time and you know investment into making a nice product or trying yeah. to make a nice product. Um, 
Oh, Ryan said, not, let's not forget the black helicopters. Exactly. Yes. So many angles, so many things, strangeness, high strangeness. Yeah. And and you think about that whole area. I mean, that was a very big military depot I think, during the World War II, was it not? That was... Yeah, That's they, why they called the TNT area because it was. Yeah, they were storing munitions there, and they built those bunkers. So if if the area was somebody flew over the area, you you would never be able to tell that there was uh, military munitions being stored there. So of course, anytime you add the military uh, into the mix, now you've got more suspicion that you know what could it be, you know, experimentation or superhuman soldiers, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it gets a little. It gets really weird, and the Mothman may actually be a product of the chemical dumping into the into the water. Well, so, you know, I, I like those kind of things, and uh, you know, it adds to the mystery. And I'm always interested in mystery. It's not exactly Bigfoot, but I, I watched uh, Lyle's show on it. But now I remember watching the uh, the movie uh, with Richard Gere. Uh, I think it was Richard Gere. And man, that the movie didn't impress me any. <laughs> it didn't. But now Lyle's presentation did. Yeah, we we like uh, uh, we like, like facts better. We like, we like fact stuff. And yeah. as a researcher, that's why we're down on, you know. And and just to go back, uh, full circle. That's why a lot of researchers are so down on shows like Finding Bigfoot and Mountain Monsters and Mountain Monsters Bigfoot yeah. because they're out for entertainment. They're not out for research. You yeah. want research? Go to a documentary. So, yeah, uh, I'm sure. Yeah, David asked if you ever heard of the Montauk Monster. I'm sure you have. Yes, and. Uh, you know, oh, yeah, and, you know, of course, Texas being the, the home of the Chupacabra lately. Yeah. I get I get some reports of that. You know, I usually funnel those to my brother, Ken Gerhard, because he's, Ken. he's, you know, more specialized in that. But, yeah, it's that comes up a lot. Or, you know, when you're on a show, people ask about the Chupacabra being from Texas. So, now, what what do you think? Um is going to bring an end to you think that any piece of film will ever um, prove that a Sasquatch exists? I don't think so. So either. you know what I mean? At this point, too much arguments and, and there is so much technology that it could be faked yeah. if somebody wanted to. So I, I think ultimately at, at this point, without a body, you're just simply not going to be able to ultimately convince right. everyone or main quote unquote mainstream science. Yeah. That's the thing. And I have hopes for the, that they'll catch DNA from this eDNA stuff now, but once they do, you know, you got to have something to compare it to. Otherwise they're just going to say, Oh, Oh yes, we have unknown DNA. Well, they'll but, say unknown primate. I'm sure they'll test it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it could be. It's got a lot of human in it, so it's probably contaminated. You know. <laughs> I, I, I still think if we get a good eDNA on something, I still think that science may perk up a little bit and go, wait a minute, maybe there is something to this. But, yeah, if it, if it comes from a reputable source, I think it would, you know, raise some eyebrows and turn some focus on it, certainly, um, you know, if, if it if – it, I think, again, it's got to come from a well-documented, reputable source, because I think the point problem now is Bigfoot. I mean, even in the 70s, Bigfoot was already sort of a cultural icon, a, a product. It was games and things. But even more so now, it's just 
you know, scientists and most people are just going to think, oh boy, here we go. You know, it's just not going to give it the attention or scrutiny that it would deserve, even if it was legitimate, right. you know, stuff. You just have to, you'd have to throw a body down and go, look, yeah, believe it now. Yeah. I, I, I agree. Uh, because if, if I was to get eDNA and I send it to a, you know, a good lab and they come back and say, Hey, it, it's this now, what do I do? You know, you know, it's again, there's going to be pushback, you know, yeah. gonna, so, <laughs> Um. <laughs> oh God! Don't read the chat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw some funny ones. Oh yeah. Okay, Mick is. So anyway, it said I agree. Bodies the only evidence which would be accepted. I remember reading an article where legit scientists were studying Bigfoot DNA. Um. I I think that may be something you may have read over the years about the Ketchum Project, maybe. And uh, which didn't turn out to be the greatest uh, piece of scientific work. Um, otherwise, if it was, we'd, you know, we'd be talking about crop circles. <laughs> so, because <laughs> um, everybody asks, yeah, one of the questions I always get sometimes is, well, what are you going to do when Bigfoot's discovered? Yeah, well, it's off the crop circles. Here we go. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know. I've thought about that, Steve, and I thought it'd probably be time to go uh, check out the Yeti. You know, I don't know if I could breathe there, though. That would be the bad thing. Um, I may have to quit smoking. The snow. Uh. Bigfoot mm. Bigfoot or Sasquatch? Yet he doesn't care. Ah, bad, bad <laughs> you can, uh, Chat room, you can boo me now. <laughs> but, you know, hey, the lot, there's always the Loch Ness Monster, you know. Uh, In there, too. And now, while we're on that, I don't know if you saw that, Lyle, where they have a scientist believing that the Loch Ness Monster actually may be a giant turtle. Um, and that just came out uh, the last couple of days. Uh, um, I didn't see that, but I mean, I'm, I, I, and I don't think at this point the, the Loch Ness Monster is a plesiosaur or some, you know, thing like that. So if it is, if there's a phenomenon, it's being caused by, you know, turtles, eels, wave activity or what have you, I think. Okay, so here is the actual article. Uh, uh, this was coming from a, a radio station. It says, scientists claim Loch Ness Monster is actually an ancient sea turtle. Scotland's most famous, infamous creature's mystery may have recently been solved as a scientist described it as um, some kind of undiscovered sea turtle that has become trapped in Loch Ness. Uh, Professor Henry Bauer's research suggested a turtle could have been trapped in the lock when the water levels reduced at the end of the recent ice age. That time period was around 12,000 years ago. U.S. scientists worked at Virginia Polytech Institute and State University doesn't believe Nessie was a type of dinosaur. He thinks that all sightings seem to describe turtle behavior, such as breathing air but living underwater. Bauer is 89 and retired, but his research published in a respectful scientific journal, according to the Daily Record. The publication said creatures in Loch Ness are yet to be discovered and that there could be evidence down there of a large unknown turtle similar to the ones that leave that live in the oceans today. Um, so that, that is just a, the basic uh, run. Well, on that. Yeah. The, uh, uh, the flipper photo uh, from uh, the, the MIT guy, what was his name back from the sixties, seventies? Yes. Yes. I was actually at that. Uh, time. That's you know, hey, that's a, uh, 
you know, that, that, that's a good argument for that, you know. I, I don't know. Lyle, have you ever been to the lock? No, I haven't. I have. I, you know, I did Truth Behind the Lock House Monster, and I actually got taken down to the they, the station that they use to relay, and they have these big cords of electrical cable that they were running stuff from. I actually got to go down to that site. It was pretty awesome. pretty much untouched. It's kind of, it's really weird. Like, there were still chairs in there, and, you know, there's a lot of, you know, 40 years of whatever, but it was like being in a tomb almost like, oh, wow. It's yeah. bugging me. What was the guy's name? Dead guy. Um, <laughs> but you know, then then you look at the the Lake Champlain monster where that guy photo photo what looked like. It, it's very rare you see that. You got to really search for it. But there was one that went under a boat, and you can and they caught the whole thing on video. You see the thing move on, and you can see what looks like a dorsal fin, or not a dorsal fin, but a, a flipper type of fin. Um, so some of this stuff. Uh, you know, some of this stuff really uh, shakes us up the, about how much we really don't know about stuff. I mean, the lock, I remember being there, the lock is 823 feet deep, very deep, deeper than some parts of the Atlantic Ocean. And you can't see three feet in front of you. So anything could be in there. But yeah. I do know, but I do know there's a lot of stuff on that lock because of the, you know, that area of Scotland gets hit with, hit with east wind sometimes and west winds and, you know, it back and forth. It could be 40 degrees one minute, 70 the next. And um, yeah, there's a lot of things in that lock that can be misconstrued as, hey, there's the Loch Ness Monster. Because I was sitting there watching it for hours, you know, between shoots. I'm sitting there just watching. Um, you know, and then there was the Robert Preston photo, which was, you know, a complete farce. Um, I actually debunked it. But again, Hollywood looking for entertainment, they kind of cut out my debunking and they put the scientist on, on on the end saying, well, to me, it appears it's a bunch of boats. It appears nothing in that picture there that would be a reflection of some sort. Well, that's funny. How did I recreate it? Because the part that's cut out of that photo to the right of it, here is this house with copper flashing on it and at a certain time of day the sun comes up hits that copper roof reflects onto the lock and i snapped the picture of it and look three three slats on that copper roof three humps there you go and i reach yes. it. google wins again dr robert rhines there we are <laughs> yes, that's uh, that was bugging me yeah i was sitting there trying to think of that too i was like uh but, you know, I think ultimately, like, if Sasquatch is proven by whatever means, you're right. Then it just, it almost, like, gives credibility to other things. I mean, I've looked into, you know, written books on Lizard Man and my Sinister Swamps book. It covers a, a variety of phenomenon and, and everything. It just, it would just sort of make people go, oh, crap, wait a minute. Even if they proved the lightness monster, it would give credence to, well, what does that say about Sasquatch? What does that say about everything else? People would say, well, maybe this isn't all just crazy, you know. And then I think uh, people would become more interested in the other cryptids, the ones that aren't yet proven. So I think it's good either way. Proven I, or I, I, you know, if a Sasquatch was proven to exist, you know, and, and in truth, my answer would be, I'm just going to keep on researching because I find that creature fascinating. And I want to know more and I want to learn more just because they've proven it's real. I've seen a couple. I don't need really that proof to prove to me it's real. So I'm still going to go out and do my thing and try to get a picture or try to get whatever I can get 
So at the end of the day, it's my, for my own personal enjoyment, not necessarily now to prove the science or give it to the scientists to prove it. So, right. Cause I, my, my objective has never been to prove a Bigfoot. I've never, you know, people are like, what are you out to do? It's like, I just like the subject. I like the stories. And I mean, I kind of specialize in the cases of these famous cases and what's true and all the sightings and the people in the town, but it's never been to prove Bigfoot. It's just that I like you, it's just, I'm interested in it, fascinated in, in all the aspects of the story. So, yeah. you know, heck they, they, they're still stuttering, studying, uh, studying gorillas. So just even though it may be proven, then there's a lot of research like, you know, where's the rest of them? What have they been doing? What's their culture? What's their uh, habits? It's all that stuff to still research aside from just the creature itself. And, and speaking of that, about the research on gorillas, there was another article this week about chimpanzees actually maybe using uh, glyphs almost or some sort of writing. Um, they are leaving symbols on trees, like almost carving something out of, on a tree as a message to other chimpanzees. So <laughs> if that doesn't show some advancement there, and you got to understand, I, I, like I said, I've said it like chimpanzee DNA is 94.6% human. I think whatever a Sasquatch is going to be is going to be a little bit closer than that. Right. Just, just for the fact of, you know, you know, and that that's always been the question that really irritates me is, um, you know, people saying, well, I know how to hunt these things. You're not a hunter, blah, 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 blah. Really? Uh, you're not dealing with an ungulate, a bear or anything like that. You're dealing with a primate who thinks. So you can take your hunting stuff and throw it out the window because you're dealing something with complete, that's completely above that pay grade. And um, right. Um, so what do we got? We got... Uh, 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 Charlie, uh, Charlie Wanton said, I think we should stop trying to prove Bigfoot exists. If he does exist, he does. He's not bothering anybody and we should give them what they've always wanted. Solitude. Let me stop at that second. Mick's reply was Charlie. I beg to differ. I just got to know if Sasquatch stole my meat, my ex's meatloaf, but that's the running gag. But, um, but I, I, I tend to disagree with that because <laughs> Mick. <laughs> Mick, Mick and the meatloaf stories. It's great. Um, I really think that, you know, we, we do need to prove so we can protect them. If they're an endangered, I mean, let's face it. Um, we haven't bothered them in the last 50 years trying to, to search for them. Yeah. And, and there's ebb and flows and we had nobody's killed one per se or, you know, brought, if they did, you know, we have all these, you know, these stories of people killing them and then they bury them which is stupid. Uh, you see the common commonality in that. That may have happened mm. once, but I don't think it's, it, it's happened like dozens of times because every every so often you get that story, oh, I shot a Bigfoot like 10 years ago and I buried it, but there's no bones. I can't prove anything. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I really think that, you know, if we do prove they exist, we can start protecting habitats. You want them to have solitude? Then if they become a, 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 a listed creature, then they will have solitude because the government will mandate it. So, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think anybody can uh, do too well finding them anyway. I mean, you know, even when you're out there and you've done the research, you put the boots on the ground, you're doing, you're in a hot area and doing everything right, you still got about as much chance of getting struck by lightning as you do have a sighting. 
because I think it's it's accidental. I, more than anything, I think it's by chance. You know, it's like when you walk up on one, it's like, ooh. <laughs> another, another another comment is OT. Hello, OT. They said they found seals in the lock. That's not necessarily strange to me because the lock does have a connector to the North Atlantic. It's called the Caledonian Canal. Yeah. And that was built in the 1700s, basically financed by the British to keep the Scots busy. So because the Scots were really wanting to war with the Britain. So they started this project, keep them occupied. So every so often you will have well, creatures from the North Atlantic kind of find their way into the lock, such as salmon and and uh, seals and uh, whatever else may uh, after the last certain. DNA study came out from the lock, I was hopeful, you know, I'm still hopeful that it will be a very large eel is what I'm hopeful. Yeah, the eels could be. So, um, scary okay, word. this question comes from Walt. What's Lyle's opinion on what some people say there is a Bigfoot UFO connection? Well, I get asked that every single time. I, I really don't understand the connection to UFOs and Bigfoot, but in my opinion... There is no connection. There is, there are cases, and I, I investigate this in my Momo, Missouri monster book, where there were UFO sightings that corresponded with some Bigfoot sightings. But these two phenomenons are always going on. There's always Bigfoot sightings, and there's always UFO reports. The thing is, is there's no connection. Just because somebody saw a UFO doesn't mean that the Bigfoot got off of it. And you have little to zero accounts where anybody ever said a Bigfoot got off of a UFO. And you have these things about people saying, well, it's aliens coming here to drop off their pets and Bigfoot are pets. I'm like, come on. Bigfoot is so terrestrial. The form of Bigfoot is so ape-like, you know, so close to us that how could that be from another planet? It is of the earth, the descriptions themselves, the behavior where it lives. So I know there's the dimensions and you can go off into the woo stuff, but I just don't see a connection with the two phenomenons. They will overlap, but they, to me, there's, there's just no, no reason. I've always said this and I, I we recently talked about this actually, I think a week ago or two, I, I cut a quick video on it on the channel. And I really feel that, you know, if there, even if somebody saw one come out of a UFO or get beamed up by a UFO, we've had cattle mutilations before where people were seeing UFOs over cattle mutilation sites. We never thought for a second that the cattle were, were aliens, number one. Number two is we would not, you would not drop a foreign animal or a foreign being into an area without some sort of protection because they're not immune to our biology and our bacteria and our parasitic things and fungi and all that stuff. <clears throat> so it makes no sense why an intelligent being would just drop somebody there. Well, maybe they have this super cure all. Now you're getting into science fiction and that's what we don't do here. <laughs> so that's why I, I agree. There's no connection other than just coincidence. Um, it's, it, it's, it's like, it's funny because I mean, if I ever do, if I speak at a paranormal event, that is the first question that I'm asked every single time. Yeah. It, it, I don't know what it is, but and I understand it. There, there, there's people there who has interest in other subjects, so they want to cross. But I'm like, any sort of reading that's been done on this would easily dispel. You know, if we had a lot of reports where Bigfoots are getting off UFOs, well, 
then again, yeah, we need to put some attention, but there is none. So, yeah, exactly. Okay, so, uh, Squatch Talk's got a good one, Steve. Charlie wants to say, don't disagree with Charlie. I know people in Wuhan. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> um, um, Squatch Talk says, uh, well, where'd he go? Dang on it. Good. <laughs> Good question. Uh, should the public know they're out there in the woods? Yes. Why not? Um, I mean, they should. I mean, I, I think that people, any one person is going to have their individual uh, belief in whether that that's possible or not possible, whether they think there are. So, I mean, you could tell somebody that, but right. ultimately it's up to their own you know, cognizance, whether they believe it or not. I don't even try to convince yeah. people of anything. I don't even, you know, I just do my thing. And if I strike a conversation with somebody who is interested in the subject, I'll certainly share. But, um, you know, like I say, Bigfoot 50, humans zero. It's like they're there. <laughs> they don't care if we know or don't know, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Mick has a question. Okay, hold on. Before I show that question, you're not going to throw another ringer, right? Did you ever? No, no. Lyle, in your opinion, what is the best evidence of the existence of Sasquatch and why? Uh, I suppose the best would be in the form of footprints. Um, there, there's something solid there to, to analyze, uh, to see. There's, you know, been many cases where we believe there's dermal ridges or things up and above just simply the form of the track um the mid-tarsal break information a lot of the stuff meldrum is covered in scientific detail uh that that to me is the best i think videos you know we kind of always go back to the patterson gimlin film but you know if it hadn't proved itself in 50 years then you know, we need something better as far as video but I, I suppose the best physical thing is the footprints the hair would be second and then if we could get some DNA that was reputable, then that would supersede the footprint. You know, what I always find is, is that what, well, the reason I think the big reason why the Patterson Gimlin film has stood up all these years is because it was so well, the story was laid out. It was documented. It's, it's not this fly, you know, this whiz bang video of 10, 12 seconds and a very weak story around it. You know, it was a story. Of, hey, listen, we went here, we went there, we did this, we did that. Then this happened, and then it happened. We don't get that with all the other videos. Uh, maybe with the exception of, uh, you know, Paul Freeman with the, the Freeman film. And what are your thoughts on the Freeman film? Mm, yeah, I'm been dubious on those. You okay. know, uh, again, it's a good, and it's right up there in in the somewhat in the league of Patterson Gimlin which is a far leap from all the things you get now with five seconds of some nonsense that you can tell as a suit or whatever. But, um, you know, Freeman's sort of a hard to judge character on some of the questionable things, yet still a lot of leanings towards it, it could be legit. So I think it's good. And I wish in modern times we had more stuff like that to analyze yeah. than what we kind of tend to get now. I, I, you know, and then there was that they, uh, I don't know if you've seen the Russian Yeti video with the people yes. driving and the thing running along or trying to soft, uh, like in the field a little bit to their, I would say maybe their four o'clock, five o'clock. Yeah. And 
that looked interesting as heck. And, yeah. you know, I, I may not agree with, you know, Igor Burtsev's uh, philosophies, but he did interpret what the uh, the people were saying. And to me, listening to that, they sounded genuinely like they were in fear or something. They do. I, I actually shot a, a segment of a TV show recently that went over that video. And so I got to see the whole thing and kind of look into it. But it, it's and it's much longer than a lot of the others. And at times it certainly looks very ape like and it looks very much like a, kind of a Patterson Gimlin subject. So it's it's definitely intriguing and heads above the other stuff. Yeah. You know. Because when we, we talk about, like you said, there hasn't been any, then I was saying, boom, all that Yeti video, or the Russian Yeti video, that that was long. It wasn't like this 10 second, this was this whole play out. And, and then, you know, the people talked about it too. So you have this, this, you have something more than what we normally get, which I, I think is awesome. That's like the first one in modern times and, yeah. and recently that I can remember where you get a longer than a 10 second video. So that is... Um, uh, oh, I can answer. There, there was one. There was one years ago. Um, the Snowwalker video, which I think that was, uh, it was determined to be a hoax. Yes, yeah, so that, uh, was, that was made by was, a Fox documentary. I believe it was really good. They did a good job. <laughs> yeah, but you know, even even though Chris, the the, the video of it was actually quite short. It wasn't yeah. like what I've seen, and there was really no description. You know, there's another video too, which may be a man walking down there, or it may be not. But there was a Canadian up in, uh, I think, Banff, in the area it was up on the mountains. I don't know if Lyle, you've seen it, where this this kid was actually a biologist, and he starts filming something that's you know a couple of miles down because it's so open, and he sees a solitary thing. It looks like, you know, you really can't tell if it's wearing anything. It looks just like this dark thing and it's moving along the ridge. And the guy was like, why is this here? And they're mm -hmm. trying yelling at it and it's not getting any response from it. I don't know if you've seen that one. Yeah. Oh, boy. I've seen a few of the snow ones, but I, I it didn't, I'm not picturing that in my mind. Maybe, yeah. maybe I haven't. I don't know. But um, yeah. And, and the kid turned out to be a biologist. So I always take caution with that too. <clears throat> is he just trying to spoof all of us? But, uh, from their reaction to Ditton, he did a lot of, uh, he got asked by a lot of questions by reporters and he said, no, this is, you know, now could it be, it could be, it may not be, but you know, he seemed pretty on the level about it, but you know, is it a Bigfoot? You really can't tell. It's too far away. Yeah. Again, um, it's just like, it's, it's a tease, you know, it's like, man, just not enough there to say the way and it, it's cool stuff. But then there was the, uh, in the Marble Mountain. What was the other one where it was, it was kind of silhouetted? And um, I can't think of that one. That, that one was put on the BFRO years ago. Um, it was like the Ridge Walker or something video where it's walking along the ridge. So, um, oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, that's Marble Mountain, isn't it? Marble Mountain. Thank you. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Remember the Marble Mountain one? Uh, and the video was hidden for years. Now it's you can actually find it freely um <laughs> ot you should post these links on more interesting videos i, I wish i had them <laughs> it's like we never know what's going to pop up in in our yeah. chat so quick witty oh here comes quick witty with another tough question what do you think about the stacy brown thermal 
That was that was fairly intriguing. Um, I interviewed Stacy about that and saw a presentation he did about it. Um, obviously, Barrickman uh, did some analyzing of the height and stuff. So, you know, uh, I think it's it's possible. Um, it's a possible Bigfoot. There's certainly many, many, many sightings in Florida. So it's it's a place where there's a long history of sightings. So it's it's in the zone. Um, you know, I know people question Stacy's motives and his and stuff, but I, I mean, I think it's just a legit video. You know, it's just they took the video and then now it's left to conjecture whether that's a Sasquatch or just some dude in a fat running suit or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I weird. like that one. I like it. I, I conclude, I kind of conclude my Beyond Boggy Creek book with that because I kind of go in depth on Skunk Ape at the end there. It's the Deep South thing. And, uh, you know, kind of show that as, as where we're, where we stand with modern technology and the mystery. You know, we, st we have the technology, but it's still, uh, you know, it has us, you know, trying to solve a puzzle of what, what it is we're capturing on, on the images. I don't think I ever told anybody, really mentioned this on the show, but I saw what I believe could be even considered a skunk ape when I was down in Alabama. Of course, we were very close to the panhandle of Florida. And uh, we're one of the weird things I walked out, it was a cow pasture, and they were having some mysterious cows dropping dead for no reason. They, they didn't understand what was going on. Uh, they did find some, some rather, tr uh, rather good-looking tracks on the property, go out, Look, at the, look where the tracks were, and we find the most recently deceased cow. So I flipped it over. Um, you know, it, it was it had no had no marks on the quarter. You know, they, like, like bear. You know, cat will take an animal down at the hind end quarters. You'll see a lot. Yeah, then it'll go for the throat. Flip it over, and what I see is a broken jaw and the neck, the the the, the saddle where the the uh, spinal column goes into the neck of the cattle was pulled out. So it looks like something had taken the cow by the bottom jaw and went and snapped its neck, dropping it. Um, can't tell what was done on the other side of it. Uh, Cause that was completely gone. You know, insects had gotten to it. Um, so that looked very interesting. Well, that night we were going out and this is why I believe they do emit, infrasound because i walked out in the field and i automatically got on the radio and said you know i'm getting this really weird feeling as i'm walking out to my left i just don't know what it is but i'm getting like really creeped out i'm wearing complete night vision so i come back in they start scanning with a thermal and they spot one walking from the left to the right in one one area of brush to the other area of brush and finally when i got a beat on i got my 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 night vision down again and i could see it like take three steps and then into the into the woods. It was like lightning fast. So I go booking out there, and all I can hear is and I was gonna go in, but then I realized that nobody else followed me. This thing's breaking cows necks. I'm a goner if I go in there and get pissed off. Good luck, Coles. I'm a brave guy, but I'm also smart. You gotta be smart. That that's interesting in the area where you had that sighting one of the best reports i've ever gotten came out of uh the it was in florida but it was kind of up there in the panhandle you know towards alabama i'm trying to remember the little town but uh, regardless 
there were two witnesses in this case and two, two sisters um, had come back from a cruise that docked there uh, on the coast of Florida and you know the car was there and they had gotten in they were driving and they were driving up around noon full, full great weather daylight and they're in a you know the road is a it's a nice looking road but it's heavily forested on either side there's huge trees and they're driving and they kind of round a corner and as they got around the corner they see this upright figure maybe you know seven feet tall walking across the road it was covered in hair you know their immediate thought was a bigfoot you know it crossed and then just sort of darted into the woods and they they had the wherewithal to turn around because they had kind of rounded the corner when the thing left they they stopped and turned around there's no other cars on the road at the time they turned on their phone video recorder and were kind of trying to see if they could see it. Well, you could hear these two women talking as they're driving, trying to say, you know, I think it went in right there, right there. And they're holding the phone. And this is legit. This is completely, you know, no, no suspicious acting or anything like this. This is just off the cuff, the reaction to what they had seen. And they, of course, didn't see the figure. It was gone by then. But uh, I just happened, they happened to con contact me and I did an interview personally with both of the witnesses and very just top of the list credibility. Um, and certainly, you know, a bonus when you have two witnesses as opposed to one. Plus I had the, the video they shared with me, their reaction of that. And I felt quite solid. There was, there was two explanations for that. One was it was a hoax. It was a good one, but which I thought was a strange place to come across the road because it was just after a curve in a very dangerous place. If you're going to purport a hoax or whatever, you would not run across there. You would run across at a better uh, position where you could see the car. If it wasn't that, they absolutely saw what we would refer to as a Bigfoot or a skunk ape, 100%. So good, good sighting there. One of one of the best. And, and, you, and, know, and you know, the one, the one I was only maybe five. It wasn't very big. They were smaller. And a lot of people will, and uh, we got more questions. I'm going to get to them in a second. A lot of people think that because they're different sizes or different weights, even different looks a little bit, that they're different species. And I try to always keep it, you know, rule, you know, drawn in saying, listen, we're trying to prove that one species exists. Now you're trying to say that there's three or four different species of them. It doesn't make sense. But what is true in, in primates is dimorphism. And that's the ability to have different weights, size, shapes, even facial features to a bit. Um, if you think about it, Asians look different than us or, you know, Caucasians. And they look different than African-Americans. And they look different than, you know, Latinos. And, you know, there are some generic traits to everybody that, that, that forms their sizes and shapes. But there's also food and weather that also um, mixes in with that, too. So you end up having, even within the same races, you have dimorphism. So to me, to, to think, I mean, using that, that, dip, that train of thought, then there would be four races of homo sapiens, you know, or five. It's just not the case. We're all the same. 
we just look differently. It's like a dog. It's like looking at a uh, the Chihuahua and look at a bull mastiff. You take their DNA, their DNA is the same. And they all came from the same uh, canid, a wolf. So what happens is, is, is genes and whatever, they, they play a lot of different games. And one of the greatest things I ever saw was this Nova special on dogs. And then they went to this farm in Russia where they have for the last like 70 years, they have been uh, looking at effects of domestication and they would take the, the, the most gentle foxes they could find and breed them. And they would take the nastiest foxes and breed them. And they did this over a period of, you know, 40, 50 years when they started noticing things. The nasty foxes were nasty, even nastier. They were very vicious. But the, the ones that were kind over time began to get fluffy tails and their tails started to go upright or some of them started changing colors. They were having patches of white, just like a domesticated dog would. So, and then some of them would have shorter snoots or snouts. Um, you know, it's funny how genetics plays a, a role in this. And I think, I don't think there's four or five species. I think this is just genetics over time, depending on where they live. And part of it could be weather. You know, think about it, folks, uh, especially, you know, who thinks there's different species that, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Lyle, you can jump in anytime. I think that um, if you look at like size and, you know, the weather, you're going to have a smaller creature in warmer weather because it's less mass to soak up or to, to get heat, you know, on them. Whereas in, you know, colder weather, you're going to get more robust things because you need to keep warmth. And that's just, you know, Darwinism gen genetics. It's the, the, you know, genetics at work there. Yeah, I'm 100% I'm with you on all that. Yeah, I, I think it's hard enough to propose that there's one. Certainly, uh, the Pacific Northwest, British Columbia is such a different environment from Florida that adaptations, you know, just mutations of genes and things, they're just simply going to look different, could be smaller, could even be more ape-like to deal with the swampy environment, but still, ultimately, it's a Bigfoot. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think it's really cool, because if you think about the United States itself, it's the only nation in the world that has all types of um, land. We have rainforest, we have plains, we have tundra, we have mountains, we have... Uh, you know, uh, frozen areas, we have areas that are, are, are temperate. Although right now, if you're in New York, you're probably saying it's a tundra, but um, it's only 13 degrees outside. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I know, Lyle from Texas is going, oh, God. Oh, no, thank you. <laughs> 13 isn't bad when the wind is not blowing. When the wind blows, yeah. it, it really sucks. <laughs> 13 is bad, Steve. It's like the team. The two times I've been on Finding Bigfoot, for some odd reason, by coincidence, it's been like some of the coldest times, especially we did one in Caddo Lake, East Texas, in which the first day I tried to get to the filming, there was a blizzard and I had to turn around and turn go back. We filmed the next day. There's we're in a, it's a swampy area. It's the place where if anybody's seen the creature from Black Lake, the movie from 1976, mm. there's icicles hanging off the cypress trees. <laughs> and of course I'm in this like crappy coat and they're like, Blackburn, you never have like good gear. I'm like, dude, 
In Texas, I investigate in swamps. I don't need, I just simply skip the blizzard that one day it might happen a year. I don't need the fancy coats, you know, so I'm freezing my ass off. It's just funny, you know, the coincidence. But. Oh, it's funny. I, I, I told this story too. I, I, I go to Scotland. So what's the weather like here? It's weather. Mm. <laughs> like, and I did. I arrived there. I'm like, wow, it's kind of chilly. Like a half hour later, it's like, wow, I take my coat off. And yeah. 20 minutes later, coat's back on. <laughs> um, okay. So quick witty wants to know, what are your thoughts on the Sierra sounds? Um, I think that's, I mean, definitely probably vocalizations from one of these creatures. I mean, the backstory, the, especially the, the way that developed, you know, it wasn't necessarily out there. Bigfoot research It's something that they were hearing in the woods and had the wherewithal to record. Um, you know, whether that's some kind of a language, I don't know. It seems very much like, but I, I think, I think those are legitimate vocalizations. They're not, it's not a hoax or, you know, humans making the noise. So I, I think those are great. And I'm, I always wish we had more of that, that, you know, to kind of compare and contrast with the Sierra sounds, but that's really, really good stuff in my opinion. Um, uh, my, my good friend now, Robin and I, geez, Robin and I go back many years, many, many years, probably at least 15, 16 years. So he says, uh, we talked about the, uh, the cows. He wanted to remind me about the, uh, basically these big pigs that were ripped out of the, um, of the creature back in a, a farm in Saskatchewan, Canada. So, um, uh, what do you, uh, <laughs> OT says 13 and you can play in Jeebus minus five with a negative 30. Oh, oh my God. You guys are tough. Now, hold on. 13, 13 is nice. I, I, you know, that's why I asked. Are you bad? Now, when it gets to minus five, that, that really sucks. <laughs> that's when you, it, it, yeah, it's all relevant, you know, that, What's that, well, here? minus five, just think about it. 13, you can walk around a little bit. Minus five, you walk out the, the door and your nose immediately dries up because any moisture that's in your nose is just frozen. So figure, figure that one out. Like, Dude, years ago, I'm sorry, I'll try to cut this short. Years ago, there was this guy moved to Cave City from Alaska. Okay, I don't remember what his name was. I don't know if he's still here or not, but it was 35 degrees midwinter. We drive by, he's outside, shorts, no shirt, washing his car. <laughs> 35 degrees. Oh, heck yeah. That's warm, Chris. Oh, my God. That, you know, it could be, hey, if it's 35 in January, we're doing good. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're, we're actually, it's above freezing. Hey, we're melting snow. I don't I'm care. I'm getting tender in my old age, I guess. Oh, I tell you what, yeah, yeah, poor Chris. I had to drop the bomb on him like a few weeks or a month ago. That hey, we got thirty six inches of snow here, and that was like one of our biggest things. And you know, okay, eight o'clock, all the snow was on the eight o'clock in the morning. All the snow was ground here. Here comes the, the plow, does my driveway. I clean off my car. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, you know, good. But good God, in Virginia, if a, if a half an inch of snow falls. <laughs> the entire state now oh yeah yeah 
Uh, and, uh, uh, Lyle, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, Lyle probably knows too. Texas, I don't think they even invented salt there yet because those guys put sand down. And sometimes that's a good idea. Uh, like on ice, you put sand on it, and mm -hmm. it works. You know, it works. Yeah. Yeah, I just dread any of that because, yeah, they just dump sand everywhere. And I mean, then it melts in about, I mean, if it ever even ices, typically the next day it's melted. But yeah. if you just wait, but they dump everything on the highway. And all your fender wells are sandblasted. <laughs> now, the other thing, too, is if you hit your brakes on sand, you can go, you can start <laughs> slipping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, uh, back to the, uh, the, uh, so quick, when he has a question, is there a cover-up coming on? I, I don't understand. Uh, I, I don't know what recent evidence you've seen, Quick Witty, about any type of cover-up. But I, I don't think there's any cover-ups going on with Bigfoot. Mm, I don't think so. Then we should do a show on conspiracy theories, Steve. The Bigfoot conspiracy. I, just, I can't keep a straight face when we talk about that stuff. Okay. I, you know, it's like inherent with any of these subjects that are unproven. There's always, you know, it's sort of that uh, always there about cover-ups and conspiracies and stuff. I, I just, I guess off the gut instinct, I just don't see why, you know, and nor do I see that the government is capable of doing anything very well. So, you know, if it's the government doing it, why and how it, you know, they just they're too busy arguing about other stuff. They're not even running the country, much less trying to cover up Bigfoot. Right. <laughs> Truth. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and unless it's something national security wise, like obviously I understand why they may want to cover up UFOs because there's technology there and you know that could be either exploited or or used. Um and that's why they want to keep that under wraps. And they're even starting to trickle that out now. Uh, Bigfoot, no, nah, I, I, you know, if anything, they're just going to kind of look the other way and go whatever. But they're, I don't think they're actively doing anything that's like, we need to cover this up. Um, yeah. There's no plot project blue book equivalent of for Bigfoot that's ever been formed. You know what I mean? <laughs> project Brown book. Project Brown book. That, that would be good. Oh, so, uh, I've seen the hidden camera video of Texas officials talking about Sasquatch. And that may be true. And, and, and you know what? Even if, you know, you, you got to kind of look at it. If you don't think people are talking about it, they're talking about it. And, yeah, if there is a sighting, especially like in, in a small, you know, hey, you got a couple of guys, you know, rangers out there. And they're like, hey, there's a lot of Bigfoot parts coming out of here. Yeah, we got we got to kind of play that down because we don't want people run through here with guns. We don't want people yeah. run through here. You know, that's a safety issue. That's not a cover up. That's just a safety issue. Yeah. You know, uh, look at Falk, Arkansas, <laughs> go back to that. How many guns were in the forest then? Yeah. Um, I mean, there was, there was more people in the woods with guns hunting the creature than there were people who lived in the town. A huge problem. But See, here's here's the, the the wherewithal with that. That was a very local operation. I mean, word of mouth, and hey, you know those guys probably were pretty handy with guns and pretty and had a lot of gun smarts. You do this now with social media, mm -hmm. you're going to get people popping shots off at people. You know things that think are Bigfoot, which comes back to the old Oklahoma law thing. Um. So I I don't know, but hey, in the chat. If you guys want us to cover a conspiracy theory, you pick it. 
will go after it. Just comment below on what you want your your conspiracy what conspiracy thing. I mean, off the bat, I can think about um uh oh what's the bunch? Well, we could talk about Montauk Monster and what's that the 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 uh, the basis of the Stranger Things show that CIA project? I I forgot what the name of that was. We could talk about JFK. I'm very well read on JFK. That's a very interesting story. We could talk about, I don't know, who pooped to bed. No, we can't. <laughs> I, I watched uh, uh, something on the Montauk Monster once. It was like a documentary, but I'm, I think they need, they need a better one, I think. Uh, of course, I, I, I don't think the, the, Mon, the Montauk Monster, I think, was dog. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, either a dog or a raccoon, I believe. Yeah. I, I believe so, but uh, you know th that uh, that island, though you know, I mean that I I would love to know some history about that and uh, uh, a little you know drive around and show stuff, you know that, that would be cool. Film stuff here and there. Okay, yeah, quickly, uh, real quick. Uh, um, have you known about the Beast of Brushy Creek? I uh, don't know that one. Well, what, know. Where is that located? I, you know, I don't even know that one. <laughs> yeah, I've mean, I've heard bounced around, but I've never really. I'm thinking Arkansas. Arkansas. Somebody, somebody also uh, asked you if you went to Area X. Yes, I've been to Area X uh, yeah. twice. Mm -hmm. Good area, a lot of fun, a lot of interesting stuff going on, or was it kind of just? Eh? Well, when I was there. Uh, you know, I didn't have a sighting or anything, but I mean, there is constantly stuff going on there. And it's certainly, in my opinion, a very good Bigfoot habitat to get to Area X. Once you get off the blacktop, I mean, you're looking at uh hour, hour and a half drive down into those mountains, you know, off road. You can barely get to it. It is very remote and anything could literally be living up there and have its run of the of the forestry so i think and that's in the washita mountains and i've had you know investigate a lot of sightings there and i've been to the washita's both in the arkansas side and the oklahoma side and it's certainly a if if bigfoot exists in the south that's one of the hot spots no doubt about it I did a quick Google search for the Beast of Brushy Creek, the, the Quick Witty, I think it was. Uh, in the Central Texas Hill Country. It says Central Texas, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say Brushy oh. Creek. Uh, Central Texas to me is, uh, is just not ha ha habitat for Bigfoot at all. There are some one off sightings and stuff, but it's pretty, pretty dry there, and it loud, best I can remember. Yeah, it depends on where it's near. I mean, uh, East Texas, you know, is heavily forest. There's yeah. a lot of swamp area. It's not what people think, but Texas right. is so big. It just depends right. on where it is. But I, I don't, I don't know that case, and I know most all the heavy hitters of Bigfoot cases or have investigated them. I'm not not familiar with that one. Well, I'm going to have to watch that and see what it's all about. Thank you, Cook Witty. Appreciate it. Um, OT says he'd like either Bigfoot. Well, there's no conspiracy about Bigfoot, so that's uh, or JFK. That must uh, be pretty recent because of the date I found was like November 2020. It is so early 2020. That's, that's probably a new one that I hadn't caught yet. 
Yes. Yes. Check it out. There's another question too. Uh, I don't even know if you remember this one. Uh, some thoughts on your thoughts on the Ohio howl. So I uh, yeah, so it's it's kind of the the icon of Bigfoot vocalizations, I guess. The, you know, I, I think it's similar to others that have been heard. The, the only problem with with the vocalizations is, I mean, nobody's seeing it come out of the mouth of a Bigfoot. So ultimately, it's like the footprints. Unless you saw the thing making the print, we can't 100% say that's a Bigfoot. But I think it's certainly possible. It's it's a cool-sounding noise. So you know, It's cool to blast out into the woods or at a campsite at night, even just to spook people out. Well, I think that was Stan Gordon, if I'm not mistaken, that recorded that. Which yeah. the Ohio? No, no, it wasn't Stan Gordon. It wasn't Stan? Okay. Uh, wasn't Stan. Are you thinking of Stan Courtney? Stan Courtney. Yes, yes. I believe I believe that's right. Okay. Yeah, Stan Courtney. Uh, my older. Google flu is getting weak. I hate to, I'm gonna, I don't want to wear out Google tonight. I'm, my brain's not working good, man. Yeah, you don't want your stream to lock up either. Um, David Winter says, Paris, Texas has a lot of activity. Now, I'll tell you something really strange about Paris, Texas, because I've been there, too, a few times. Uh, I feel that there's some legit activity, and I feel there's a lot of hoaxing going on down there. Um, you know, with the the Mike Sells videos that, you know, MK Marlin is trying to sell the people that are real. I've been there. I've seen the videos. I'm not impressed. I've seen the scaling that, that MK did, and it was incorrect. And, you know, not, not to put shade on him, but, you know, this is all, I, I don't know what's gotten into him, but, you know, the massacre theory and all that stuff. But um, anyway, uh, you know, when I went down there, there was a set of tracks. I knew they were, they weren't real because at the very end, there was a track, two tracks side by side like this. Now that's funny because I'm five foot nine, five foot 10, somewhere in there. And my feet stand apart like this. Yeah. So for something to be standing there like with its feet together and they just end it's kind of and the, the 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 toe the size of the toes didn't impress me but i will tell you in in the paris area when we were down in those bottoms which by the way went to Falk, arkansas if you followed them um we were trying to find a way across this uh, across this creek and so we hopped the fence which was completely private property and we're like, well, this guy's got like a thousand acres. Nobody's going to care if we just pop in there and take a walk along the shoreline. So we pop the fence and we're walking up and all of a sudden here's this 18-inch track or 17-inch track that was there. And you could see where something had walked. But here's this one. It just happened to catch the sand in this particular way. I mean, how? <laughs> this is private property. Nobody expected the, anybody to be there. And that's just outside of Paris. So they're out there. But I think there's a there's a there's a element in Paris that likes to play a little chicanery because I was out there one time, especially around Pat Mays Lake. I think there's a lot of chicanery that goes on there. That's actually the area where Mike Sells had lived. But last time I was out there, which was years ago, there was a track put down and it was very blatantly a hoax track. So um yeah, I mean, there are sightings in that area that I think are legit, but yeah, there's some controversy, um, you know, that 
you know, I'm, some of my best buddies down here have been started researching, you know, back in the, the 90s, you know, in the Texas area. So I've been privy to information regarding some of these things that, um, but like anything, you know, I mean, I think any Bigfoot research is always mixed, an intermix of, of legitimate sightings and people trying to do their own thing or be famous or add to it or whatever it is. It's, it's sometimes hard to uh, navigate through yeah. that and get to the good stuff. Well, what the whole, the thing about the whole videos, I make mention of that because never once has a particular researcher mentioned that, that that Bigfoot that's supposedly going over the fence leaves notes, <laughs> leave notes. Crayon. So, yeah. So, you know, let's look at the overall body of evidence in the story and it, uh, leaving you notes now, you know, in crayon because they left a piece of paper and a crayon there and draw some pictures on it. And, so that I mean it's just madness. <laughs> yeah. They should have left a coloring book and a box of crayolas and see if it would fill in the the line, you know. I would interesting have experiment. One of those Sasquatch brews that uh J Jason Weaver was on advertising. Mm. I would have left. You know, so let's get some real Bigfoot bait. Put a bottle of beer out there. Um, um and it's funny because you know, primates do like fermented stuff because it has an alcohol content. And uh, Jane Goodall found that the chimps liked the rotting apples because they were turning alcohol. They were turning into alcohol, so they were eating those and leaving the new ones for a few days. Yeah, forward thinking, really. Most uh, people, unless you spend a lot of time around chimps, you never know how smart these guys are. I mean, problem-solving intelligence, and uh, it's just unbelievable that we we could have a Bigfoot out there probably is smarter than that. You know. You know, in OT says, here's what we do with someone as a hoaxer. We send them a totally fake researcher who's partly comedian and all interaction. Make it decent for YouTube. But if you're, well, that sounds kind of cool. You, you got to understand that most of the hoaxers have issues. There's a psychological issue why they want. And usually it's loneliness or a feeling of abandonment or a feeling of not being fulfilled in their life to make any kind of mark on their life. So knowing that uh, I, you know, after we're, you know, doing a lot of psych psychology after learning that I'm a little more compassionate to your average hoaxer and to the ones that are outright bad. Those ones I tend to have a little more wrath, but somebody says they think they see a Bigfoot and you, they're obviously telling you a lie. Uh, I always tell the story of the guy um, who, who did that, who had just been divorced he was married for 16 years, got divorced, and six months later, he, he's reporting he's seeing a Bigfoot and then seeing yeah. a Bigfoot again three months later. It's that need. But anytime, look at the time already, folks. Uh, well, I, I just want to mention, too, and you know, I'm sorry, Steve. I'm going to hawk your book here a little bit. There's a good section in Steve's last book about the, the mentality of hoaxers. I really enjoyed it. Um. So uh, the last one is I know how his red facts say. Yeah, we'll talk more on that sometime quickly, I'm sure. Um, but anyway, uh, Lyle, I want to thank you for coming on. It's been a fun ride tonight. I hope you had fun. Definitely, man. Thanks for having me. Good time. Oh, anytime, anytime. And uh, so you're still running monsterbizarro.com? Well, I've, I've had to. My store was just too busy for me to keep up anymore. So uh, all, all 
my books are just solely available on Amazon now at this point. So, Got it. and there, there's a number. I think there's like eight books out there or something like that. Uh, written uh, six, six books. So, okay. Um, but yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, I see. One's a video. Never mind. Or two's a video. <laughs> right. And then it intermingles with the Small Town Monsters release. Yep. But yeah, if, if you go to lyleblackburn.com, there's a shop link and it'll go straight to my page at Amazon and um, with all the books they're in. And, you know, I, I know we almost ran in together in the show, but I, I think you guys had to back out a couple of years ago over in Pennsylvania. But uh, I'm not sure. That's so long ago. Um but you know, I hope I hope to cross your path real soon. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, if we you know get back to doing some events and yeah. being able to travel at will, because it's yeah. been a bit of a. It was great because I spent some time catching up on writing and yeah. things like that. And mail orders were quite good this year. I mean, people must be home reading, so I was thankful for that. But yeah, a lot of events and some of my research projects, and a lot of times, if I have an event that I'm going to travel to, I'll. I'll sideline and do some other stuff to make it, you know, economically better. But yeah, it's going to hopefully mm -hmm. we'll paths cross paths. Awesome. Well, thanks again. Chris, final words of the night. I just, again, I want to thank Lyle for coming on. We appreciate it having you Lyle. Always a pleasure. And uh, I would like to thank our lovely intelligent audience for uh, joining us tonight and all the great questions. You guys are sharp. Uh, and if it's the first time watching us on YouTube, please hit the like and subscribe, uh, share, ring the bell. Sharing uh, is caring. It, it helps us out in the search algorithm, puts us up there closer to the top, and everybody can find us easier. Thanks. All right, folks. On behalf of everybody here at Squatch DTV, we want to wish everybody a happy and great week. Be safe, be healthy, God bless, and keep on squatching. You've been watching Squatch DTV. Join us each week, Sunday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, for the latest on the Bigfoot mystery. As always, we thank you for being our loyal viewers and encourage all to subscribe to our YouTube page at youtube.com slash Steve Culls. As always, have a great week. Stay safe. God bless. And keep on squatching.